What's up, everybody? Jeffrey Lyles. You're rocking with Lyles Movie Files. I am back, and I am talking about wrestling this time. Specifically, NXT's In Your House from Sunday Night. This is a show that I knew going in I wasn't going to be very excited about because of the main event. NXT is in this weird position where I like the roster, and I tended to like more episodes when they were going you know, show to show against AEW Dynamite simply because the booking tended to make more sense and was logical. Right now, NXT is in this weird valley where everything still kind of makes sense. Storylines are coming together. I just hate how they have people matched up against each other and I'm loathing the Karrion Cross era as champion. I thought that before. Nothing has changed my mind, and the show also failed to make me have this grand turnaround. That, oh, okay. Karrion's the guy. He's going to get it done. That's for way later in the show. For now, let's start right from the top. The show opens in a really weird fashion. We get the classic old-school in-your-house opening. I love that. That was so cool. It was so much fun. They even had, like, the spiraling uh, circles, neon pink. And then we get the NXT logo instead of the WWF. We get Todd Pettengill narrating everything. It really had a classic feel. It's weird because I'm not quite at the 90s period of going through my wrestling tapes, but... Todd Pettengill was kind of fun. He wasn't mean Gene Okerlund, but he kind of fit for the 90s. And it was weird seeing him here because he fit in so well just in terms of doing what he did well. Hyping up the matches, setting the stage for different things, and kind of overall being a corny goofball who doesn't care that he's a corny goofball. And also, he needs to sell whatever it is that's keeping him looking like he's just a few years removed from 1996 instead of it being 2021. Because, wow, he still is pretty good for his age. Um, then we have this weird opening act from a rapper who lip-synced her performance. Which is weird because NXT literally has a stable featuring a rapper who, if we needed to, could have just done this opening. Especially since none of Hit Row were involved in anything. It, this would have been a better showcase for them as opposed to random rapper lip-syncing that didn't add anything to the show. That was weird. Started things off on a very odd note. And I didn't know why they had her. Because it's like, we literally have Hit Row right here. That was kind of overthinking things. So we start off with the six-man winner-take-all match where we have Bronson Reed and MSK taking on Legato Del Fantasma. I thought this winner-take-all stipulation was really stupid because it made the faces look like idiots. They're the only ones that have anything to lose. And that's Bronson's North American title, that's MSK's tag team titles. So in doing this thing kind of the right way, and this is where watching too much 80s wrestling is showing up again with my way of booking, they could have had Legato del Fantasma break up, they could have had Carter not Carter, they could have had Mendoza and Wilds split away from Escobar. They could have had Escobar give up some of his jewelry, some of his chains. I mean, there's so many different things they could have done. Whereas, like, okay, or they never challenge again for the titles. The way this was set up, it seemed kind of obvious that the champions had to lose their titles just because they were the only ones that had anything to lose. 
But um, one thing I really liked about it was everybody came out in matching gear. We had Legato, the Phantasma, rocking this cool blue, yellow, and red attire. And then MSK and Bronson collaborated and had some green and black outfits that they rocked together. I thought that was cool. Showed that everybody was on the same page. And I just, this is another old school thing of mine. I like when you can tell who's who and who's on a team just from looking at their outfits. And I like the idea of, of the guys who were not part of the tag team actually matching up with their partners. That was cool. This match was a lot of fun. MSK has been really, really impressive since they've arrived in NXT. I saw a little bit of them in Impact, but because like most areas, I don't get Impact on a regular basis. And once my cable companies stop carrying access, I've lost all that access, pun intended, to Impact. So I don't really see it, and I haven't watched a lot of their matches in a very long time. But they've been great. They've been exactly what this tag team division needed. They were the new faces that really came in, sparked everything, and kind of set a new, you know, basically push the reset button on the tag team division they were needed and i think they've done really good they've done a really good job as champions and mendoza and wild have really stepped up to be credible challengers i kind of like them as main contenders for the title i like them way more than grizzled young veterans and and, and i guess and imperium which i just can't stand because i feel like they're so boring but i don't know if this is going to be the end of this feud the way this is set up so anyway, lots of good action. The story they were telling was nobody wanted a part of Bronson Reed. And anytime they did, he just demolished them to prove that, yeah, you don't want any parts of me. And I think they've done a good job of rehabbing him from being a guy who was decent but would lose to all the big stars to somebody that actually looks like he's on the rise. And maybe he's somebody they're grooming to beat Karrion Cross. Maybe, maybe, maybe. We'll see. But I think he's done a really good job holding this title down. He looks the part of a champion now. And the fans seem to buy into him. This seemed to be, you know, they were bragging the whole show that this was the largest crowd they've had in the CWC, which, you know, could be anything. It could be like 20 pe people and actually be the biggest crowd they've had. Um, but the fans seem to respond well to him, which is good. You want to see the guy that you're pushing get the fan reaction, something that doesn't happen later in the show. Once again, with somebody else, I'll touch on that. I'll touch on that in a little bit. But this was a good match. Uh, Bronson wiped out Escobar in the barricade. So MSK got the big, pulled out their big tag team blockbuster combo, and then re-hit his tsunami. So of course they set that up as a unbeatable finisher, and I got the win. I really liked the match. Um, it was fun. It was a great way to start the show. Got everything off to a good note. And it was like, okay, cool. This is this is a good start. Where are we going to go from here? And next up, we get the Mercedes Martinez versus Zia Lee match. This one was kind of odd because I don't think they know what the heck they're doing with Mercedes. Like she's not a face. She comes off like a super heel. But Zia Lee and her crew are definitely heels. So it's this weird thing of who am I supposed to root for? I don't really care. I mean, the way they set it up was that Mer Mercedes bullied and beat down Zia Lee, and she's trying to get some payback after training really hard, which is typically a face storyline. So it was this odd setup where I'm like, okay, well, I'm rooting for Zia Lee, even though Mercedes has been the one who, you know, the way this thing is set up, should not be 
the heel. Anyway, this match is okay. It went 739. They did some submission moves. They did some things that looked like they hurt. And it was okay. I mean, I wasn't in love with it. It's partially because Mercedes works a style that doesn't lend itself to flashy moves. Zaylee has these quick strikes. But I think for the most part, we're still trying to figure out, NXT is still trying to figure out how to best use Mercedes. I think what they probably should have done was keep her Robert Stone as the heavy hitter enforcer member of that group. The one that doesn't take any crap, who's always serious and, you know, doesn't have to talk a lot. Like, I felt Robert Stone, he's okay. And his faction with Aaliyah and I guess Jesse now is all right. But they could have used someone like Mercedes who doesn't fit in, but gets the job done, gets paid, and walks off. I think right now she's just kind of wandering and they don't have any clue what they're doing with her. Add or lose this match to Zia Lee, who should have won because Zaya is the one that's kind of on the rise. By the way, I hated whatever the heck they did with Zaya's hair this this show. It's like what they do sometimes with Sasha Banks where they just kind of randomly change up her outfit and look and it doesn't really fit what she's doing anymore. So yeah, I hope we just go back to regular Zaylee look because that seemed to go very contrary to her makeover and her whole serious demeanor with this rainbow hair. It was just a very, very odd look for her. And I'm waiting to see if they're going to ever do anything with Boa because he got the crap beat out of him just like Zaylee in all those training montages. And it doesn't seem like he's put that in motion in the ring whatsoever. And has he even fought since they've done this? kind of seems weird to have him be her bodyguard but he can't ever of course touch the women because that would make you know that would just look bad so it's it's a weird setup and I'm not sure what the heck they want to do with this and Maylene got involved and she threw Mercedes off onto the barricade I mean I don't think they can do anything to make Mercedes a sympathetic character so Maybe they should just go off with somebody else. I mean, it's just, it's weird. I don't think that's, I don't think that's a good pairing, and I don't think they should continue that feud. But of course, that means, of course, they will. Next up, we get the Million Dollar Championship match. The real quibble I had with this was, I don't understand why they were still using that old photo of Ted DiBiase, like he's in his vintage 1990 prime um, with the Million Dollar belt. It's like the it's 2021. We can show what Ted DiBiase looks like now. We got Cameron Grimes taking on L.A. Knight. This is a interesting pairing because at first it started off with Cameron being this obnoxious heel, and because he's fighting L.A. Knight, he's kind of transitioned into being a face. Fans love him now, singing to the moon, and just overall being excited with him and his presence and his performance. I think Cameron Grimes is kind of cool because he's one of those guys who can work either style. Somebody kind of pinpointed exactly who he is, and he's like the modern-day Jimmy Garvin, and it's like, yes, that's exactly who he is. He can fit as a face or heel, probably works better as a heel because he can easily tap into being obnoxious super easy, but if they need more faces, which they kind of do, He's a good one to change and to just kind of have somebody being kind of goofy that the fans like and root for, even though he's probably not going to go up to that North American or world title level. 
this one goes about 20 minutes it it didn't feel like a marathon but it also felt like okay this isn't the main event so we don't need to keep this going but so long and then la knight tips grimes over into one of those setup deals that they kind of always do now or it's like oh we forgot about this ladder until the guy crashes into it he gets the title and la knight is a new million dollar champion earlier in this view when they started la knight took on jake atlas and jake got the distraction pinfall and i kind of felt like you know maybe jake atlas is the guy who should be the million dollar champion he's not the best at cutting promos if you need somebody to cut promos for you you've got ted DiBiase here he would be perfect in getting someone like jake atlas over cameron grimes la knight don't need that but jake atlas did or does and I think with DiBiase kind of polishing him up a bit, Atlas really could have benefited more from either of these two and would have done a really good job as a million dollar champion because he's got the whole, he's got a look. If you kind of put some suits on him or whatever, he could be that million dollar champion better than LA Knight, who doesn't really need that spot. He's a loud mouth and he can talk fine. He'll be fine in this role. But I think Jake Atlas was kind of a missed opportunity to take someone who is kind of not really doing a lot and do something big time with him. So, of course, that feud is going to continue. I guess we're going to see Cameron eventually get the belt from L.A. Knight and, I don't know, hold it for a while until they get bored and decide to just move on. I don't see how long this thing lasts. And, you know, I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Next up, then we get Ty Pettingill working the NXT merchandising booth and Hit Row Records shows up. And it's like, well, why weren't you guys here earlier in the show? Anyway, so they, they run through some stuff and they can't get Ty's name right. And then they have a new single that they promoted. Now, you know, which is also weird because I feel like they could have opened up the show with that, that song instead of this garbage in your house rap. Anyway, if it's not clear, I hated it. It was lame. And... Yeah, that's all we get of Hit Row. It is kind of disappointing because I feel like they should always have something planned for Isaiah Swerve Scott. He's, you know, ever since he was on Lucha Underground, I have been really impressed with his moveset and just how he carries himself. And as a leader of the faction here, they should be continuing to show that he's trying to do things and doing things, even if it's just squashing somebody in an extended match just to showcase him. I think with Hit Row, and I know with our takeovers, they try not to waste too many time, too much time on garbage matches, but I just kind of wish they'd do more with him. So, that was that. Next up, we get our NXT Women's Championship match, Raquel Gonzalez versus Ember Moon. Of course, nobody bought that Ember Moon was going to win this match, but I think Raquel has done a really good job playing the dominant champion giant who is maybe not invulnerable but just a dominant presence and force on the roster like they have done it they've done a ideal job with her building her up as this monster who took out Rhea Ripley and just ran through everybody in her path Io Shirai Shotzi Blackheart and now Ember Moon this match was really good I was I I enjoyed this one. I thought this is probably my favorite one on the match on the show, even though I knew Ember Moon had no chance of winning, and they kept Dakota's interference to a, to a minimum. 
Eventually, Shotzi came out to stop her, and Raquel got the win on her own. But they have really done a good job, and Raquel sells well enough. She gives off enough to make her opponents look like, oh, maybe they can beat her. And after Ember hit the Eclipse, it's like, well, maybe they will do this and just send Raquel to the main roster. I think that's always the deal with, with any NXT champion. If they lose after being on top for a long time or just being spotlighted for a while, they're off to the main roster. And I think that this match opened up that possibility that, hey, well, they are talking about moving people up to the main roster. Is this her time? And, you know, just, of course, selfishly, I hope not because I don't want anybody except for one person on this current roster to move up to the main one because I think everybody fits much better on NXT. And Raquel Gonzalez is definitely one of those. And, yeah, I'm I'm so impressed with what she's done. Like, you can see War Games is kind of like the, I don't know, the moment where the light bulb switch for her, where she's really pieced together the ability to do her moves, to sell her offense, and to just do everything, to have that presence like a champion. Now she's there, and I don't know who they're going to have beat her. But it's not a thing that no one could beat her, which is great. And I do think that they kind of need to start developing some new contenders because uh, she's kind of ran through everybody who's there. And I guess we've always got in their back pocket that feud with Dakota Kai if they want to turn Raquel face, which I'm kind of thinking they're getting really close to because it seems like there are better, stronger heels on the women's roster now. We've got, of course, Candice LeRae, who we haven't had fight her yet. Um, we've also got Saya Lee, and she's already beaten Mercedes, so we've, we've taken her off the list. But they've got Frankie now, and um, I guess that's enough for right now, because none of the faces have been built up into a way that they'd be credible. But those three, and Dakota, would be enough to extend that reign for a while and potentially come up with somebody to beat her. But yeah, so far I'm loving this reign. And I think of all of the champions they've done and developed over the last few months, Raquel has definitely been the most improved and is really holding down. And I'm in no rush to see her lose the title. So good stuff. Next up, we get our NXT championship. But before that, we get Todd Pettengill playing with Dexter Loomis. And they're breaking out the karate fighters. I laugh when Todd asked him how the lady's treating him and then Dexter just snatches up the karate fighter and they wrap it up. It, I think that was just part of what was so cool with having Todd there. He's goofy and he's fun and NXT could probably use a little bit more goofy fun from somebody who's not a wrestler and Todd is kind of like the perfect presence for that. Alright, so we got our NXT championship match. Karrion Cross defends in a fatal five-way against Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano, Kyle O'Reilly, and Pete Dunne. I think it was Vic Joseph who said this may be the most star-studded NXT match ever. And I'm like, you're a straight loser liar on that one. Because we just had the four-way with Finn Balor, Adam Cole, Johnny Gargano, and Tommaso Ciampa going for the vacant NXT title. All of those guys had the title at one point and had really long extended runs, except for Johnny Gargano, who's a choker when it comes to being a champion. So that one, of course, was the most star-studded match because it was a battle of former champions. This one, we've got a few guys who probably won't be the champ. Um, 
this was the match where I kind of felt like, all right, this is where they have to take the belt off of Cross. Cross has shown what he is. Big dominant powerhouse. Doesn't sell a whole lot for anybody. Just just keeps coming and obliterates everyone. And that's his deal. And they have ran through every contender who would have been in a long time feud with him. They've taken out Finn Balor. They've He's already beaten Bronson Reed. Uh, Dexter Loomis is somebody who's not going to work. He's already beaten Damian Priest. I mean, so guys who he should have had feuds with on his way up to the top. Uh, Escobar, too. These are people who could have been challengers for him that he's wiped out. And if he goes in this match and takes all these guys out, then it's like, what's next? Who is he going to fight? What's left for this guy? When they've got an easy opportunity to take the belt off of him have him lose the title without actually losing, the, you know, without taking the pinfall. And then maybe coming back into a rematch and losing, or just going off to the main roster to do his smoky dance with Scarlet and on the main roster. So this, this match starts off, we get everybody doing their thing, and people are pairing off. So of course, Adam Cole and Kyle O'Reilly pair off. Gargano and Dunn are kind of in this weird position because they haven't really been worked into this feud that much. Dunn, of course, is like, I'll take on Karen Cross and I'll take on Johnny Gargano. I don't care. Uh, Gargano's kind of in this position where I feel like he should be teaming with his boy, Austin Theory. And those two should be going for the NXT tag titles. So Candice and Indy and Johnny and Austin can be like, yeah, we're the tag champions of NXT. It just seems like it's obvious. And I kind of feel like that's where they should be going. So anyway, um, and Pete Dunne is in this weird position of being kind of like the leader of his own little stable. But they're not going to do anything with him because I feel like they're afraid to do more with him. I kind of feel like he is, he should be going after Bronson Reed and should be the guy to become the new North American champion. And that way they can give him a title where they kind of break up this thing where it's, I don't know, it's weird because they're kind of heel heavy with some of these titles. But I feel like Pete Dunne is probably one of the more deserving guys on the roster who doesn't have a belt, even though I like Bronson Reed. I think maybe he should go against Karrion Cross. So this match is okay. The whole story is we've got to do our damage before Karrion Cross comes out. We've got to stop him. And if we can keep taking him out and then trying to beat each other, then that'll work. Of course, Karrion Cross is this unstoppable monster, so we can't ever stop him for too long. I'm so bored with Karrion Cross. I don't know what the deal is. I just... He is like a road warrior where he just doesn't sell much of anything. And it's just kind of obnoxious because his moveset is kind of limited. I don't know. I feel like I'm bashing him, but I feel like it's more an issue with the booking where he's really had everything easy. And Adam Cole kind of said it in a promo where he said, this brand has been over backwards to make you feel special. And the only thing they do to make me feel special is ring the freaking bell. And I was like, that's a perfect promo because that sums up Karrion Cross. It gets this song and dance of the smoke and the fire effects. And it's got Scarlet dancing and twisting and everybody's looking at Scarlet. And he just comes out and yells and screams and gets to pull off like seven moves. And everybody's like, oh, man, the problem is we've already been through this show. We've seen this already with Brock Lesnar, where Brock came in full of fury. 
went off, did a couple suplexes, called it a night, and just destroyed everybody in his path. Roman Reigns is kind of doing that now. He's a tribal chief. He's doing way better promos and just so much more interesting. They had Braun Strowman as champ where he did that whole thing. Bobby Lashley is dominating dudes and he's doing a better job than than Karrion Cross is. And he's got a cool mouthpiece and MVP. I don't know what makes Karrion Cross special. And I know it's not on NXT because on NXT they've always been about champions like the on the men's side. They've always had that champion who may be dominant, but he is also super vulnerable. When Adam Cole was the dominant longest reigning NXT champion it was not a there were not a lot of opportunities where he was going against somebody who was like of course Cole is going to win he's going to destroy this guy because that's what he does there was always that doubt of maybe he's going to lose the belt in every few that he was in against Gargano against Ciampa Velveteen Dream if we're still mentioning that guy's name anymore but there weren't feuds and contenders that he fought where you knew for sure he was going to win there was that doubt with everybody that maybe this is a guy that's going to beat him. And Finn Balor just had this great reign where he was putting on these masterpieces with Kyle O'Reilly, uh, Ryder Strong, Adam Cole, Pete Dunne. And it was like, yo, this is such a great reign where he's making everybody look good. They could beat him, but in the end, he's going to tough it out and just go harder than them. Tomasa Ciampa, same deal. Oh, man, Gargano could beat him. Oh, man, this random guy could beat him. And Aleister Black could beat him. It was just the whole reign. It just felt like he was somebody, anybody could beat him. And that has not been the case with Karrion Cross. Because it's just like, yeah, he's not losing to him. He's not losing to this guy. He's not going to lose to this guy. And they put themselves in this bad position where he's not losing. And in a five-way match for him to still overcome the odds choke out Kyle O'Reilly while he's trying to make Adam Cole submit it was just weird because it's like this is your opportunity to move the belt off of him and you still won't take it now who is coming in to fight him because there's no one who has a legitimate shot on the roster as it stands right now beating him or even having a legitimate beef of hey I deserve a title shot I mean we can do one of these multi-man deals where somebody stumbles into the win but I'm not buying that they're going to beat him. And Kyle O'Reilly has now lost three opportunities at being the champion. He's lost twice to Finn Balor. And now he's lost. He took the submission pass out to Karrion Cross. He's the only good guy in this match. And he loses. And I just feel like cool Kyle, that whole gimmick has kind of derailed him in terms of being a legitimate contender. And now he's becoming the Lex Luger on this roster in terms of not making the most of his opportunities at the title and the way they keep doing it he doesn't deserve another title shot and I don't know who does I don't know who's going to step up to beat him and it's just this weird thing because that wasn't the case with the title for the last three years where I mean the champ could have lost to anyone on the roster if they built him up but there's no one on the roster now to build up to beat a guy who's been unbeatable unstoppable so dominant as him that was kind of the problem I had with Shayna Baszler with her reign it was just so boring because it was like there are better people on this roster than her and people who would have more exciting matches more exciting feuds and it was just like ah come on just hurry up and and make it end already and I'm at that point now with with 
Karen Cross. Make it end already. So at the end of the show, Mackenzie interviews Stephen, or Stephen, wow, old school, William Regal, asking him, what the heck are you thinking about all this craziness and carnage? I mean, outside of Shotzi and, and Dakota fighting their back, it didn't seem that chaotic. But Regal said, it's time for a change. The rumor is now that Samoa Joe is going to come in either as the new general manager or as the authority figure to help Regal deal with all this confusion and chaos going on in the NXT roster. I like Samoa Joe think that'll be a good addition i don't want regal to be gone and off camera because i think he's done an excellent job as that commissioner figure or general manager guy and joe can add to that i don't want him to replace him so overall in the show you can skip this one i mean it's totally skippable the six-man match was good but that's something you could see on a regular edition of nxt um raquel and ember moon have already had good matches before it, their match was fine, but you didn't have to go out of your way to track that one down. And as long as Cross is a champ, I just don't see there being much excitement about his matches. So you could safely skip that one and keep it moving. So we'll see what happens when we get the new reset following Tuesday's show. Uh, as they begin their build to the Great American Bash. As they continue to pillage through all of the trademark pay-per-views that Cody wasn't able to get back from them. Uh, so we'll see where that goes. But for now, I'd say you can skip this one, and we'll see what happens on Tuesday. All right, so that's it for this show, and I'll be back with the boys later on this week. So for now, this is Jeffrey Lyles. This episode of Lyles Movie Files has been filed.